Hey everybody, this is Rita Springer. Welcome to the Rita Springer podcast. I am so excited today to have a good friend that I've known for many, many years on. And we're going to talk about um, just meditation. We're going to talk a little bit about the Enneagram and about a beautiful devotional that he has created as an app. Uh, But he's also just an amazing singer-songwriter, the great, the powerful, the mighty Anthony Skinner. Anthony Skinner. What's your full name, Anthony? (laughs) Hey, Rita. My full name is Anthony Warren Skinner. Anthony Warren Skinner. Named Mm -hmm. after a family member, it sounds like. Warren. Warren is a family name, Uh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sounds like a family name. Yeah. And... You just reminded me that you were born in Memphis, but you were raised in Texas. Mm-hmm. And isn't your family still in Texas? Um, my brother's in Texas. That's right. I knew you had a family member in Texas. My well, mom and dad relocated to where they were born, which is just south of Memphis. Okay. Because when you used to come down through Texas, mm-hmm. I would see you because your brother lived there. Yes. In the Dallas area. Uh-huh. Okay, great. And we were trying to figure out where we met. Where we met. And you, well, you have to tell that because I don't quite remember. Did you come backstage? Yes. You were playing <laughs> here in Franklin and I came backstage to meet you. Grace, uh, uh, Grace. Grace Chapel. Grace Chapel. Mm-hmm. And was it on a Sunday? Mm-hmm. It was okay, Sunday morning. I was there on a Sunday morning. Yeah. And you came backstage mm-hmm. and that was a... <laughs> years ago i do not know because you said i didn't have justice right you didn't have justice yet because and he's almost 18 dude so that has to be yeah 19 years ago it had to have been oh my gosh yeah wow. that's crazy to think really isn't that crazy? If I you didn't know what have justice, I, don't, I think you must have had him i must have had justice i didn't know that i don't i must have had justice hmm. I wish you would have known how old your justice is, because that's kind of my key point. Because yeah. you have a justice, I have a justice. And justice and is how old now? Justice, justice is um, 17 and a half. Okay. He'll be 18 in December. Yeah, so you had him, because we had little yeah. ones kind of running around. Okay, so he probably was about two or three. Yeah. I would say he was two yeah. or three. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that at least shaves off a few years. When, when were you in North Carolina? Because my youngest yeah. was just asking about that. That Because you were in North Carolina. In North then. Carolina. Okay, so 2004, uh-huh. I moved to North Carolina, uh-huh. to, um, to Charlotte, North Carolina, and he was born in December of 2004. So there you go. So he was born. Oh, okay. So it would have to have been in the summer or the fall of... Um, 2005, six or seven. Because Harley, my youngest, was just asking about him today because I told her I was coming to see you and I uh, showed her pictures of him. We were just amazed. They've all just, my justice is 6'4 plus now. Yeah. May is, she says 6'2 now, 6'1, six, 6'2. Six, six, Harley's growing up and your justice is so tall too. How tall is he? He's just six, I think, yeah. still. Yeah. He's, he's been hanging at six for a while. I mean, he's got a size 13 foot. Rita, I can't believe I'm here in your house. I know. We're, I'm Crazy. at the table. You're at the table. You're at the communication table. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get my kid to talk to me. But everybody else comes in here and talks to me. No, this uh, is great. I yeah. have actually, you were, you've always been on my list when I was thinking about doing a podcast. Because I've always thought you were the most interesting human being. One mm. of the most interesting human beings I've ever met. And to me, you are like... 
I hope I can put this the right way that you don't feel offended. <laughs> um, like coming? you were to me the, the most classic, incredible musician I've ever met in my life. Like you're the what? real deal. Like where, where people would be like, Johnny Cash is the real deal. Uh-huh. You're my Johnny Cash. Wow, Rita, thank you. I, you just are so authentic. You are, you're like a real musician's musician to wow. me. You're not one of those... Silly little worship leaders that (laughs) (laughs) learned how to play out of high school. Like, you've taken music seriously. You understand Mm. music. You understand production. Mm. You've been a producer for years. And you just have an authentic sound. To me, you've got one of those authentic, deep, southern, real, true sounds. Well, like classic. Like, you're like, like, like your classic. You're just classic to me. You're iconic in my book, so that's huge coming from you. That's very sweet. But I'm iconic in a different way. (laughs) What does that mean? No, I'm iconic in a different way, maybe. In a wonderful way. In a wonderful way. But when I'm talking about you, I'm talking about authenticity. (laughs) Like, you're like, doesn't get any better when you play the guitar and you sing. To me, I mean, if you've heard Anthony sing, you you all agree with me. Oh, you all agree. That means a lot coming from you. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm like, why aren't you? Why aren't you still? Why aren't? Why aren't you filling arenas? That was. That's been Mm. always my thing. We've talked about that a little bit. Yeah, we have. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Moving right along. Now, I still think. I don't know. I just think there's something coming for you. You know. Well, I've been in a season where I, for the first time since I picked up a guitar really kind of put the guitar down for almost two years. It's mm-hmm. been hanging on the walls. My guitars have been hanging on the walls. But just pulled it down, and I've stepped into this role, leading worship at this wonderful little parish, mm-hmm. uh, Luminous Anglican. Great group of people, and I'm just really enjoying this season. It's been That's good. awesome. Yeah. That's so great. But you, like, you spend a lot of time doing your... Your, your own podcast, your podcast, your partner podcast. Yes. So I have been producing a podcast called Typology mm-hmm. Podcast for about five years. We're just finishing it's up crazy. our fifth season. So, and it's sort of become its own thing is one of the reasons why I've, it's demanded more and more time. Mm-hmm. And it's on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And I've loved this whole process of growing with my bud, Ian, who is the host, a co-host with him. He's written four books total, but two on the Enneagram. And he's a great writer, a great communicator, and uh, we've had a lot of fun on this podcast and just a bunch of amazing guests. And people may not know this, but I do one-on-one work and I do group work, transformational work, and I use four tools. I use the Shema, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, listening prayer, which kind of folds into the Shema. I use Chip Dodd's eight core emotions. We can talk about that. And then I use the Enneagram. I use those four tools primarily in my work. And they all sort of feather into each other in a wonderful way. So I've been blessed to be able to work with Ian all these years and glean a whole bunch from him as it relates to the Enneagram. You have any Enneagram questions? Well, I'm not like well-versed in the Enneagram. I know I'm a four. Mm -hmm. And Ian's book was the book that I read in introduction to it. Oh, that's great. Um, Back when I was living in Dallas, Mm -hmm. you know, it was like there there was a Enneagram hip hot moment where um, I don't know if it hit the church, (laughs) if it hit the pocket of the church in a way, but um, so many people around me and so many young artists were talking about it. And so I really wanted to, find out about it and then i listened to a lot of the podcasts with sleeping at last oh yeah 
and and loved those. I love the fact that he wrote a song for every. Oh, and they're amazing. amazing. I mean, he's yeah. he's so gifted. So I spent a lot of time in the car listening to to that podcast to understand the four. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I, I was mentioning uh, to you before that I, when you hang around a lot of people, I always want to get to the healing part of the number. Mm-hmm. And so I think you know I had I had a group of people say to me, "Are you sure that that's?" from the lord uh-huh. <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> and so and i was like well god's used it in my life so of course he's using something but right i i don't know like the the um the deep uh roots or background to where the enneagram comes from mm-hmm. is it safe is it not safe those things i just knew what it did to me and mm-hmm. opened up that part of my four that needed to to have attention drawn to it and sure. brought to it. Well, you know, it is an ancient mm-hmm. system and I just consider it a tool in the redemption process that you can use. So the whole point of the Enneagram really is you are not your number. Mm. Your type is a strategy that you adopted in childhood in order to survive. And as Ian would say, the strategies that we adopt in our childhood don't serve us so well when we continue to use them in adulthood. Got it. So Yeah, that actually makes more sense. Yeah. And people will say, Oh yeah, I'm a so and so, so I do this. You know, it's like, eh, well, if you're doing that, it's like <laughs> That's what I have a hard time with. Yes. <laughs> like, you might want to consider growing that beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. And the Enneagram gives us a pathway to let go of the old story and to move okay. into a new story. So see that explaining it that way yeah. feels so much broader and so much more beautiful yeah. than I'm a four and this is just how I am. And yeah. Cause we don't want to be trapped by our personality. Yeah. That's an awful thing. Yeah. We want to flourish and flourishing in the Enneagram. You're always going to have a more dominant type, but really the goal is to be like Jesus, which is he is not trapped by any personality by any means he's in the center of that circle and we want to always be moving toward the center of that circle where we ultimately represent in a healthy way some version of all nine types but we'll have a dominant number that we always come from now is it is it a is it a is there a pattern in there where you can actually really walk with great health or are you always kind of flip-flopping back to you know rubbing shoulders with that other number or that other thing. I mean, can we really adapt to something that health and true identity actually flows from that and we're not in constant ebb and flow of the negative part of... Oh, 100%. You know, that's what I want to get to. And that's yeah. why I feel like, you know, all these things are the hopefuls, but it, are people really talking about, you oh, no, that's really healed me. The things that are helpful about the Enneagram and the thing that sets it apart from other typing systems is that it deals with motivation, mm. why you do what you do. So we're both fours yeah, and the four has a need to be seen, a need to be understood and to be seen. And one of the ways that the four tries to get that need met is by standing out and being a unique individual, which is why we're called the individualist. Mm. So with the four, it's likely that something happened in our childhood that caused us to think the best way to get my needs met is to stand out in some way. And every person, Enneagram type, Enneagram number has a broken story, but every person, Enneagram type, Enneagram number has a redemptive story as well. Within their number. Well, yes. In health, you may move to the high side of your number, to the healthy version expression of your type without getting too much in the weeds 
each number does move to another number in health. But bottom line, I believe in redemption, we're meant to ultimately transcend personality and type. Mm. There are a lot of people that I know that are like, how are you a four? You know, and <laughs> like, I'm not, you're not driven by your emotions. Yes, you're not like yeah. this, you're not that. And, and I would point in large part to a practice that I have made a part of my life for years, which is asking God the question, God, what are you thinking, feeling, or doing? And that's not just as it relates to me, but also the world around me. And then the next step is to partner with God and of course come into agreement where his narrative needs to trump my own. Sometimes it's questions like, what are you saying to me? And who do you say that I am? And allowing him to define me. And so therefore I move out into the world with a reference point of what I say, living from love, not for love. Mm -hmm. And it allows me to live from a place of already having been told who I am. And in the process, I, I understand now that I'm so loved and so valued. He has defined me and it's something I still practice. But fundamentally, I shifted from living for love to living from love. Yeah, that's. I'm always so curious at how people find the paths that they get on, mm -hmm. and I think that's why my curiosity with you, because I, I mean, I've known you for years. Mm -hmm. You've always had this kind of love bent. Mm -hmm. You know, your music has always had this love bent mm -hmm. to it. Yeah, love of Christ bent to it. Yeah, even in the in the secular stuff that you would write, mm -hmm. there was always this kind of universal love language right. in your music. Yeah, definitely. And so that has to have been there from childhood perhaps i mean yeah d did you have parents that sowed kind of um really good intuition and understanding in you or how do you as a guy and a musician find that stuff that that ends that you end up on this path where meditation and mm -hmm. connectability and um you know you know finding the finding the source you know all those mm -hmm. things that you do so well mm. <clears throat> on Instagram, you know. Well, I experienced some real challenges as a teenager and in my early 20s. And I think as a matter of survival, I began to really devote myself to a practice of prayer and meditation. Even then? Listening prayer, yeah. Wow, so it has been a, a practice for a long time for yeah. you. Yeah, And how did you, like, migrate into... The Shema. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, Shema. So, Shema. The, the, so What's the meaning of it like in, in yeah. Hebrew? Yes. So, and what we're talking about is the Shema Way app, which I created with my partners, Jake Smith Jr. and Jameson Reynolds. And for me, I experienced such deep transformation around these practices of prayer and meditation and the Shema that I wanted to create an app to help other people in this process. So let me back up now and answer your question about what Shema means in Hebrew and actually where it comes from. In scripture, out of all the scriptures, one of the most precious scriptures is when Jesus was asked, what is the most important thing? Mm. What's most important? Mm. And he quoted Deuteronomy, which is the Shema. So, oh. and it is, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, wow. with all your mind, and all yeah. your strength. So, when he was asked, What is the most important thing? that was his response. He says that. So, there's a couple of things that is our premise. One is that 
Jesus let us know that our spiritual anatomy is made up of these four parts, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the data says that, especially here in the West, we typically live mind to strength. Like we get a new concept and we put it into action. Got it. And we can bypass heart and soul. All the time, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, right? Yeah. And another premise we believe is that he started with heart on purpose, like his order wasn't random. Yeah. So... And the Shimawe prayer and meditation app, yeah. which you can access on your phone, on your tablet, on your laptop, on your desktop. So it's available on all those platforms. Right. And each day, step by step, Shimawe leads you through the heart, soul, mind, and strength parts mm-hmm. of you. Yeah. <clears throat> and remember, when Jesus was asked, what is most important in all of life? He said, hear this. What's most important is to love God fully with all of these four parts. Right. So each day the Shemaway app leads you step by step through each of these four parts of your spiritual anatomy. Right, right. So how does this work? You open up your Shemaway app and you see these four sections. Yeah. And every day you have a fresh 10-minute audio guide or a 20-minute audio guide to choose from. And the audio guide leads you through these four parts of your spiritual anatomy. So what are these four parts? Well, the heart is the seat of our emotions and will. It's where we feel things. It's where we have wants and desires. So in the heart section, the Shamawe app helps you find out what you're feeling and why. And then what you want and need. Then you move with your heart to your soul. And our soul is where our identity resides. It's where we have dreams and where we have Mm -hmm. visions. Mm -hmm. It's where we commune with God. We allow God to speak to us. Mm. And then if there's any sin we need to confess, we confess our sin. And then we're led now with our heart and soul to our mind. Our mind is where we think and process and learn ideas. And that's where a daily scripture is introduced. The Shemawe app gives you a breakdown of the scripture and some thoughts and then encourages you to engage with thoughts of your own about that scripture. And then we move with our heart, with our soul, and with our mind to strength now. And strength is where your ability to embody, express, or put into action your beliefs, theologies, and philosophies. So each day we move through all four parts of our spiritual anatomy, and we end with a one-word prayer that represents all the work that we did in heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the audio guide gives you prompts all throughout the process. So it's a real interactive experience. And all of that is done in 10 or 20 minutes, whichever one you choose. So now you might be thinking that's a lot of information, but it's done in such a thoughtful, easy, accessible way. I'm telling you, we've put a lot of resources, science, and thought behind how we approached all this. So super user-friendly. I remember in um, in the uh, beginning bowels of COVID, <laughs> you had um, you were kind of coming out with the with the Shema Journal. Yes, you helped me beta test it, and you gave me a copy yes, of that. Yeah, and I remember I would sit on the front porch during quarantine, uh-huh. and I would be in black. <laughs> circling those emotions, yeah, because everything was so heightened at that point. Right. Yeah. But it really was. I remember thinking he's onto something here because you mm. you have to force yourself yeah. to get to a place that you are not when you sit down. Yes. And you don't realize how difficult that is yeah. until you're sitting down. It's it's totally different than I'm going to read a chapter of the Bible. Right. Like like you can do that and not even remember what you read. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do that for 15 yeah. minutes and forget you're even reading. But with 
<clears throat> with what you're doing with the Shema, it it really was, it, there was a bit of, for me, there was a little bit of my guilt that flipped in with, where I'm like, you can't do this and not pay attention to what you're doing. Because mm. when you're circling, yeah. you know, the emotions that you feel, you have to actually identify what you're feeling. Yeah, right. And and I don't, I'm, I always want to be truthful. Yeah. And so I, I, I would, A, A, I don't know how many, I, I can't even tell you that I've ever circled happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fool. I've never circled happy. Um, but just even trying to find out really what am I feeling, especially mm. like in a, in, a, in a time like quarantine, yeah. when everything's just like so new and that's really what stirred me most about that was that it was working in the sense mm. of, you know, when you're, you talk about migrating from the, from the heart. Yeah, from the heart to the soul. To, from heart to the soul, to the mind, yeah. to the strength. All of those processes for me, when you get to the scripture, mm -hmm. and then you get to, you know, you kind of writing out the things that you need to write out. Yes. It just, it had to become authentic. Mm. And I realized this is exercise. Ooh. Like this is exercise yeah. to become authentic. That's good. And from for when, I, when I watch like your stuff on Instagram, and I think I'm so taken in by that. For somebody like me that, and I think there's so many people like this, when we're not giving the time that we need to give mm. because we have given over our time to what we think we have to do, right. how do you then, how do you get even to the exercise of mm. heart? Mm -hmm. Because if you can't identify the emotions, mm -hmm. then then you're never going to you're never going to get into the next phase to yeah. the soul. Yeah, and the soul to me is a little scary because mm. the souls where the where, where um, the voice of Jesus kind of comes in, mm -hmm. and um, and if you're lying about your emotions, mm -hmm. <laughs> then he can kind of he can get you right there uh -huh. because the way that I don't know how because you do the journal anymore. So the, it's all digital. Okay, so everything yeah, is digital. So everything that was thing. in that journal, yeah, it's all of that is in the app. And I think I said earlier, you can access it on your phone, on your tablet, on your laptop, your desktop, any platform. So you can go straight to the app store or you can go to our website, which let me go ahead and spell that for the folks. S-H-A-M-A-H-W-A-Y for the app and for the website. S H A M A H W A Y dot com. So, but yes, everything that you were doing in the journal, that whole experience is now available in the app. So yeah, so that that to me was like, I mean, I, my personality is to be authentic. Mm -hmm, sure. So, and God knows if I'm lying, but man, emotions. That was the hardest for me. Mm. Just circling those emotions. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Like, so like, what was difficult about that for you? I mean, when you use the words like fear, you almost have to be like, okay, well, what am I, I feel it, but what am I afraid of? Right. And where, what's it tethered to? Yes. And has it been tethered there long? Ooh, I love that. You know, you know what I'm saying? So for me, that's where my mind goes. Yeah. So I'm not just going to circle fear because I feel it. I want to circle it because I, I'm like, my fear is tethered to the unknown of this right now. And that's why I'm feeling the emphasis of what I'm feeling. So, Does that make sense though? Yeah. Maybe I'm, maybe that's the four, maybe that's the, the long winded four that just has to be poetic about everything. But, 
But that's where my authenticity, and I think that's why it takes me so much longer Mm -hmm. to buy into it. So as an exercise, as a as a daily routine, because I don't know that I've met many people that use meditation like this, which is so healthy, Anthony. Right. There's nothing non-healthy about this. Mm -hmm. But how many people will actually do it as an exercise and not fall away after, you know, it's the it's the. uh, New Year's resolution, right? Right. So that's where I'd say there's a couple of things that I was thinking while you were talking. One is uh, one of my partners, Jameson Reynolds, says we're on a mission with God. We need a framework to do that or else we're just wandering around. In the desert. Yeah. Right. The other thing is the great thing about Shamaway, the app, is it's there and some people use it three times a week. Some people use it once a week. Some people use it every day. It's there as a tool to help you in the process. Right. But this is what I was going to ask you. So let's just do a little exercise here. I'm actually putting a list of eight feelings in front of you right now. Okay. (laughs) So I lead groups of people through this process, and this is how we begin. Yeah. I place a list of these eight core emotions on the floor. They're Chip Dodd's eight core emotions, and we sit in a circle. So just like we do in group, let's do it right now. As you look at this list and you check in with yourself, just name the feelings that rise to the surface, the ones that you can easily access right now. Um, you mean right now? Right now, You want yeah. to process this on a podcast? Let's do it. Um, <laughs> probably a little sadness. Okay. Um, a little fear. Okay. And a little hurt. Okay. Probably those three. All those right. are my top three. Okay. That's good. <laughs> those are my top three choices (laughs) okay so sadness fear and hurt so yeah let me preface this by saying chip dodd would say no feelings are right or wrong in and of themselves they're either true or untrue for you each feeling offers a gift and the problem comes when the feeling moves into an impairment and i'll talk about that some more later so now that i prefaced it let me begin by saying Rita, thank you for sharing your heart with me. And you mentioned that you felt sadness, fear, and hurt. So sadness is a caring feeling. It's missing someone or something. Mm -hmm. So what's the sadness around? It's funny because when I look at these, I see see snapshots of of just stuff going on. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm... relating the stuff going on to the mm. actual emotion. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it it doesn't have to be centered on on um one thing in general. No. But it's like this the for me sadness is the season. Mm. Like it's just been I think it's post COVID. Yeah. Just all the things that it feels like COVID stole. Yeah. All all of the things I think as a uh, as a mom, when you watch your kids struggle through it, yes, and then you have to oh, watch man. them renegotiate their friendships out of out of friendships that they had and they don't have anymore, yeah. or things that they used to love and that they don't love anymore because of that. Okay, may I respond to you? Yes, go for it. Okay, so sadness is the feeling that speaks to how much you value what is missed, right? It's a caring feeling. You feel sad about what matters, what is gone, what is lost. Yeah. And I'll just, here's a quick little caveat. 
if you resist your feeling of sadness, you'll get someone else to feel sad for you and that's called self-pity. But let me share with you my reaction when you shared your story. Mm -hmm. As you shared your sadness for what your son missed and was missing during COVID, I began to experience my own sadness for what my children missed. Mm -hmm. My son in college for his first year, my middle child, daughter who was finishing her senior year and entering into her first year of college all during COVID. I mean, I can't imagine that. So much. And then my youngest experiencing high school for the first time and meeting new people all behind masks. So you're not even being able to see the face of your new friends. So by you being courageous enough to show up to yourself and to me and to the billions of people listening onto this podcast, I tapped into my own sadness. I felt sadness with you. I shared in your sadness. And as a result, we have intimacy. That's the power of being able to show up to yourself, to God and others. And that's what the Shema Way app is all about helping you do. And when you're doing this on the app, and I mean, this is kind of like, it's kind of, is it done with people? Or are you doing this between you and the Lord? It's between you and the Lord, but that's one of the things that we're working on because faith is meant to be lived out in community. Yeah. So we're working on some elements of that, but that's one of the things that we encourage is you don't have to do the actual exercise with someone, but share with someone what you're feeling, what you experienced in soul, what you thought about in the mind section or your one word prayer as you move to strength. So, because I can see this actually being a really great exercise, even with your kids. Oh, 100%. So this part of the process... Uh, I've been doing with my kids for at least five years. And they totally respond to it. Oh, I've been blown away at the way in which they can identify what they're feeling and therefore what their heart needs, right? Mm -hmm. Feelings express the need of the heart. And I am inspired and challenged by how they walk this stuff out. And it creates a lot of opportunities to foster intimacy and connection between us all. Yeah, how how um how do you get somebody to cuz not everybody not everybody has the patience or maybe that's the wrong way to say it not everybody is willing to sit down mm-hmm. and take the time mm-hmm. to identify these things why is this important mm-hmm for us as people of faith to do this. It's important because if we're not nourishing each of the four parts of our spiritual anatomy, heart, soul, mind, and strength, if we're not taking the time to nourish each of those, we'll live a fragmented life and we won't live the flourishing, abundant life that we're designed for. And the beauty of it is if we make the time to show up to ourselves, we can then bring our full selves to God. If I know what I need and want, I can bring those needs and wants to God. If I don't know what I need and want, then I lose out on the privilege and the wonderful gift of being able to bring those needs and wants to him so he can meet those because he longs to, right? And also, if I don't show up to myself, then I'm not able to bring my full self to others as well. I mean, just all the conversations that I've had that I have to have and that I have had with... um just so many people in the church that mm-hmm. they they just live in a swirl mm-hmm. of well, thick, dark, mm-hmm. undealt with stuff, and then they minister yeah. from these places, and they go out on platforms from these places of undealt with stuff, right? 
And it's like the churches were full of this. Oh, like yeah. The church is full of this. And I, I guess it's why I'm so curious about how to, because I feel the guilt of it. Mm. I feel what guilt do you feel? The, the guilt, <clears throat> I think it's a, I think it might be a healthy guilt, mm-hmm. but it's. Um, yeah, so, so again, guilt is just a feeling. Yeah. Right? So the impairment of guilt is pride and toxic shame, but the gift of guilt is freedom and forgiveness. Yes. Okay, so I see that. Yeah. And I think the guilt that I, the guilt that I'm talking about is that what is keeping me Mm-hmm. What is keeping other people from the daily practice mm-hmm. of finding themselves, finding that connection, finding, I mean, maybe we find it in different ways, obviously, and I'm not just talking about just this particular way, but you, you're, you've built something here that's in super intentional mm-hmm. um, and it actually has a reward system attached to it. Mm-hmm. And not all the time do we get an award system attached to it, a reward system attached to it, where if I get up every day at seven o'clock or six o'clock in the morning, get my coffee and sit down and grind away at reading the scriptures. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because we're, we're kind of taught this systematic approach to devotion. Yeah, right. As a child. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden when you kind of have maturity and you learn to journal or you desire to journal, I was a big journaler as a kid. Not so much now, but I realized that I journal based on the season that I'm in. Sure. So... But you have, that's why I'm so fascinated by it, because you, you give this practice, this daily practice to this meditation where if you said to yourself, I'm not going to do this for three weeks, mm-hmm. like y- your soul would, might shrivel up and die. <laughs> well, the thing is, is you that- You feel it. Wouldn't you feel it? The absence of it? Short answer, yes. <laughs> well, a big part of what you're addressing is we haven't really been taught how to connect with God, how to commune with God in heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah. Instead, we've been taught that our devotional life, our Bible study, and our prayer life is primarily a mind-to-strength activity. And let me tell you, that doesn't cut it, and you will eventually wear out, and that's what you mean when you're talking about the grinding yeah now with any activity or practice it requires a certain amount of discipline but it's not a grind you were created to connect with god with all of your heart soul mind and strength it is the way you were designed to function it's what you were created for all that to say i think we've developed a framework around the way we were created and intended to flourish in our relationship with god self and others i think as christians we forget or as believers Mm -hmm. we forget that we have access to this indescribable Mm all-knowing all-powerful like king of king of king of king of kings (laughs) you know what i'm saying yeah and i think that he's really ready to just say Mm. hey this is the prob this, this so is good. why you're struggling. Yeah. But why don't we ask? Like, well, I why think we don't we been... spend the time to do right. stuff like this? What is it in our humanity that says, no, 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 warning sign, warning sign. Yeah. You don't have time for that. Right. It, <laughs> no, you don't yes. have time for, to get that emotion. Well, I think, 
in a lot of ways, as the church, we failed our people in terms of teaching them how to hear the voice of God. That's Christianity 101. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So how do you value his voice? How do you hear his voice? How do you have conversational prayer? How do you test something that you feel like you've heard? How do you walk it out in community? And then, as I've said a few times, here in the West, we really favor mind to strength, and we don't nourish the heart and nourish the soul. And it's impossible to have a flourishing life unless we're nourishing all four of those parts. You know, um, as a worship as as a worship leader songwriter, um, you're a worship leader songwriter. We 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 strum our instrument and we begin to sing. Mm-hmm. And there's something that rides on our song. Mm-hmm. You know, the Holy Spirit rides on our song. The, the, the Jesus within us, because mm-hmm. he's so kind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he rides on the melody lines of what we sing. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what we're supposed to be doing on Sunday morning, is allowing Christ to ride on those melody lines. But I've never known <clears throat> worship not to actually stir need in the room Mm -hmm. so people get emotional during Mm -hmm. worship because there's a need that's stirred in them whether it's just the need for christ or the need for but a lot of times it stirs up this great need in us whether big or small but this need in us to want to be touched by god yeah but that need in my in what i'm hearing you say in this is that need actually should be an exercise thought process where you identify that need is actually there all the time. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't just surface on Sunday mornings in worship. Right. Yeah. You, you yeah, can I'll, actually have relationship with that need, but then be very familiar with how to lay that need down so that it doesn't take a worship song to just bring that need to the altar. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. God established a precedent in the very beginning with Adam and Eve where he walked and talked with Adam and Eve on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Christian life is. And the church, the New Testament church that God established, I'm not talking about the building, the little C, I'm talking about the big C church that Christ founded, Mm -hmm. is not what happens on Sunday where everyone goes and sits down in a pew and watches one person do something. It's something that happens 24-7, 24/7. in the home, yeah. in the family, in groups of people, in business. Yeah. Church exists in all of these areas. Yeah. How does this framework that you're building here, mm-hmm. which um, is actually, it's so stunning. Mm. I mean, it's stunning when you're, when you look at it. Some of us need the chart, right? Mm-hmm. We need the chart. We need the heart, soul, right. mind. That to me makes sense. Yeah, and and to <clears throat> to to bring yourself along that process, we're in kind of this frenzy now, in and out of the church, mm-hmm. of this my truth, mm-hmm. me me me, my thing. This is how God is to me. Mm-hmm. Is is this something that, at least I'm sensing that it is, something that pulls us into a unified understanding of this really isn't about you as much as it's about what God wants to say to you? Right. Well, I think that's, a, that's the part that I love where we move uh, into the strength sphere of our being where we co-create with God. The whole thing is, you know, an invitation to us and to God, right? So um, I think 
for the most part, back to kind of what I said earlier, we've so lived mind to strength and we've been cut off from our hearts and cut off from our souls and we're just not meant to live that way. So if you, it's why a lot of people go, oh, I've done a Bible study before, you know, where I've sat down and I've read a scripture and then it's like, go do it. That's not the way our faith is meant to be lived out. You experience God and he meets with you. And, you know, it's, we're so interwoven our own heart and our own soul and mind and strength in with the Holy Spirit. It's, we're, we're co, you know, moving, authoring, creating as we move through our lives. And I think people have just been doing it mind and their own strength, you know, mind to their own strength. And, you know, it's, that's why I think a lot of people are so defeated. I mean, they're told, you know, they, you hear another great sermon. I mean, it's like probably the last thing a lot of people need is another great sermon. Another great sermon. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's just like people's spiritual anatomy is like almost atrophied. Mm. And there, I think the good news is that God will be with you in everything. Mm-hmm. So the idea of, ex- I mean, that, you know, it's like the thing you said something earlier about it, there is work to this, but actually it's like, it's liberating to like, for me, just when you talked about your sadness earlier mm-hmm. and, you know, we together connected in that, you know, you connected with yourself first and then I connected with you. It's like, that's a beautiful thing. So if I learn to feel again and to, to acknowledge what I'm feeling, to identify what I'm feeling and then to bring that my, bring my heart to other people, bring my heart to God. It's like, then I start flourishing. It's like, wow. Okay. 10 minutes a day. That ain't, that ain't a bad uh, payoff. Yeah. You know, because you can feel the change in it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that we're also in a in a in a um, a world of quick fix. Yeah, people want the quick fix. They want the quick fix. Yeah. They want it to feel now. And I, I didn't get anything when I sat down and read scripture for the first time. Yeah, it was when I kept. Yeah kept reading it and kept opening myself up. I call yeah. it a progressive state. Like worship is like this progressive. Mm. state where it just um i always uh refer to that scripture in, in ephesians you know the love of, the love of god is so high so deep so wide so long mm-hmm. that it surpasses yeah. our knowledge love that and which the picture the picture is painted there that um it's not just so far out of our understanding that we'd never be able to understand it granted according to scripture the love of god is not understood by human terminology mm-hmm. but it does say if we want more of it mm. there's more of it to be had mm. so if we reach to the width for it we could get have some wider if we re- reach to the height we could reach a little higher and and that always meant the world to me it's like it is like exercise you, you strengthen that muscle and that yeah. muscle gets and then it's not you know you may not be able to get out of bed the first day you go to the gym for the right. next week, but when you keep doing it, you know, you, yeah. you strengthen that muscle. And that the, the importance of communion with God and um, 
it, I, I don't, I don't know how to convince people how important it is to talk to the Lord. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to me. It's almost kind of a frustrating thing when people don't have that art or they don't, they don't mm. look at it as, as there's, there's importance to it. One of the things that I differentiate between that is in step with what you're just saying is, uh, it does require discipline, but it's yes. not toil. Mm. This requires discipline, but it's not toil. It's like I come away flourishing because I identified what I'm feeling and then God met me in my soul and told me what he was feeling, helped me understand where he wanted to meet me and what mm -hmm. I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And then I come to the scriptures and I value the scriptures, but I'm bringing my heart and soul there and I'm experiencing intimacy with God. And now I'm reading the scripture and it's like I'm with him in this moment. And now we're moving to strengthen. I feel like like this word of create or peace or hope or run or wait. And it has all of this that I've done previously in mm -hmm. heart, soul, mind attached to it. So for the rest of the day, I'll, when every time I say wait, it just brings all that back to oh man, God met me at that point in my soul, you know? Yeah. He met me in what I was feeling, you know? And it's like, oh, and that's what that scripture meant. Now I'm like blooming right. inside. Right, got it, yeah. And that's, does that meditation end in strength? Mm -hmm. It does, it ends in strength. Yeah, every day in strength with a one word prayer. So every day you end all of your work and it culminates in one word prayer and all you just bring that word back to mind and it, it represents all that work you did that day. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Now, do you have to, are you constantly like updating that app? Yes, there's brand new fresh content every day, Monday through Saturday. And then Sunday, we have a really strong framework that you can use to help take notes and continue to work through the Shema, your heart, soul, mind, and strength as it applies to whatever sermon or homily or teaching you heard on any given Sunday. That's uh, amazing. Yeah, thank really you. It really is amazing. I, I, again, there's a little guilt there. Because, <laughs> well, guilt of what? Well, I mean, I have my Shema journal, but I, I am not practiced in. I'm not disciplined in doing it every day. I can. I can tend to let the stress of the day before mm. um, permeate the day after. Mm. You know what well, I'm saying? The impairment of guilt is toxic shame, but the gift of guilt is freedom and forgiveness. Yeah. So there's and, freedom and forgiveness yeah, for you. I need to hop on that train <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more. No, I love that. Uh, what um, what's your what's your hope for the future? Because I mean, this is a learned practice for you. You do this every day. You got your rosary beads. You you, you literally like, and this has kept you. Do you feel like this has just kept you grounded? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's been a game changer, lifesaver. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, does it, do you feel like it keeps you from the edge sometimes of like just going AWOL? <laughs> yes. Know, I think it's, I mean, it doesn't mean there's times where I don't want to go AWOL, but yeah. uh, I, you seem so, you are so freaking centered. Like you seem so like, <laughs> Like a hum, mm. you know, like just a... Um, well, I mean, honestly, glory to God, I, I'm living in a state of peace and peacefulness. Yeah, you're, you're very different to me, yeah. I mean, in, in a great way. Yeah. But I remember you on the road, Yeah. you know, just, of course, life was a little different, I think, back then, too. Yeah. But, 
um, and seasons change and, and stuff, but you do seem way more grounded. Yeah. Which that's a, yeah, that's a plus. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the future? Well, I'm just leaning more into this. Like I said, we have some really exciting things that we're going to be rolling out around the app. It's just going to continue to be built out with more things you get to experience in the app. What we've been talking about today, the show, things yeah. uh, that'll go along with it and um, and then you know my gig at the Anglican Church and then songwriting songwriting you're such a great songwriter thank you Anthony you guys if you haven't I'm, a lot of you listening will know who Anthony is but you have to go download you got the best voice dude wow thank you you do people will still say to me who's that Who's that guy that sang on that song you did? It's like, that was Skinner. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> that was so fun to get to do that with you. Thank you for letting That's me do that with you. That's the first time I was closed up in a closet. <laughs> singing with a bunch of coats and socks and That's right. shoes. The, you know what's funny is, so so what Rita's talking about is, I had a studio in my house and actually my vocal booth was a closet. It was a closet, man. It was I mean, so great, funny. Uh, great. Yeah, I mean, it's like a... Great place to do it because yeah, that, totally. that sound wasn't going nowhere yeah. with all those clothes in there. But it was, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. That was a treat doing that song with you. So yeah. thank you. Well, you are by far just an amazing producer. It's not just a mm. songwriter, but you you know what you're doing. and Thank you. I, I mean, I miss that about you. I miss, mm. I miss you just singing and seeing stuff where you're going to be playing because you just you, you are there's no one that does what you do and i could say that because there's no one that does what i do mm-hmm, that's and right there there are people that you can mimic really really well mm-hmm. and people that mimic people really well and you have five or six or ten of those people mm. but then there are the people that very hard to if you could say oh sounds like kind of mm-hmm. is like but you're one of those. It's like no, there's one mm. Anthony Skinner. Oh, well, back one. at you. Yeah, for and, sure. I, and I, I really do um, realize that about myself. Yeah, it took good. me a while to realize that about myself. But in in my little sphere of Christian singers and songwriters, I'm like, yeah, there's been nobody mm-hmm. that has come out with just that tenure or that mm. throttle in my yeah. voice and yeah. that thing, totally. and still actually can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you know? sometimes, well, women especially get written off after a certain age. Right. And I've. Yeah, you've run, stayed I've more stayed than relevant. It's awesome. Over all of those it's awesome. Rules and regulations. I love that. that. Your stuff so, is so fresh. Well, I try to. It's awesome. But I. I I, I, it, again, that's a that's a, a full blown journey. But are you? Do you feel like you're coming back? Um, Come on back, Anthony. I have a. <laughs> I was just talking with you know Ricky Jackson. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So Ricky and I were together the other night. He was just encouraging me in some stuff. So I do have some music that is recorded that I'm thinking I'm going to roll out this fall. Yeah. Yeah. Music is such an interesting thing because talk about emotions that's attached to when we roll out a song. Definitely. And it's a whole different other venture. Yeah. But what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, do you have any songs out right now? So there is a song that I do love and I'm grateful to have been a part of and it's called God Turn It Around. And um, John Reddick 
wrote it with oh, him. John. Yeah. I love that boy. Yes. And uh, John, Jess, Cates, and I wrote the song. Oh, Jess, Cates. John's carrying it, and it's, it's you know, it's been charting, which oh, is just fun. Amazing. So, yeah, it's doing well. And Is it on John's record? It's on John's record, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's you, been fun you, to see. You also know, you know a lot of good people, too. Oh, definitely. There's a I mean, lot of beautiful people here. Oh, man. I would say one of the things I'm, as a songwriter that I've just so appreciated is I have been able to be a part of some songs, and you're totally included in, in this, that amazing voices have like carried mm-hmm. something you've been a part of mm-hmm. on some level, whatever that might be. But it's just so fun to see something fly and somebody just run with yeah. it. You know? So Yeah, that's so great. What When you look back on your song or repertoire, do you, is there a certain song that, that you can still pull up that you wrote, that you sang on, that still actually ministers to you? Definitely. I mean, I think All Right. It's just something yeah. that I did that was just like yeah. a, for me, it was a prayer. There's a whole sort of story attached to it. I just said, God, I just wonder if there's a way, even though I've known you all these years, can we just sort of walk through my heart and just yeah. reintroduce every part of me to every part of you? Yeah. And that's what that song is all about. That's so good. Yeah. My, now, the, my favorite was I, I'd spent a lot of time listening to, when I, when I heard you do this, uh, David Gray. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you you kind of took an excerpt from Babylon. Uh-huh. Babylon yeah. was my favorite song for such a long time. <laughs> and then I and then it ended up in Jen sang it. Uh-huh. You know, if yeah. you like yeah. coming in. Yeah. And I still I still do that whenever uh, I sing fun. that song. Yeah. Because it's just like I love that kind of that when there's something that somebody else does that's just completely the opposite yeah. of but you just that's the kind of musician you are that you have the history with all of the history of it that you can pull in something that half the people i would probably say 99.9 percent of people in the church have no idea no you know about that you know (laughs) but (laughs) how about you do you have a song that you that you still enjoy you know i think i go through seasons too in it you know when there there are there are anthems that Mm -hmm. i think i didn't i wasn't planning Mm. on writing anthems i wasn't like let's write an anthem yeah i was always writing about the moment, the season, and mm-hmm. what God was doing in the season. Yeah. And so I never sing worth it all anymore, but mm. I would have to say if, I, if, I, if I'm ever brought back to a place or a moment, hmm. um, it, it, it isn't even the whole song. It really is just, um, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be, you mm. know, that I would have to say that over myself a lot during that time. Love so that that's, a, that's a real special that's a real special song. But I tend to love other people's songs way more than my own. Mm-hmm. And most of the songs that I love that I've written, I've never released. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, early on, I felt like, in my conversations with the Lord, I felt like he he's gave me some specific instructions and he said, some songs you're going to write and you're going to sing them. Some songs you're going to write, and other people are going to sing them. Some songs you're going to write, and you're going to give them away to the church, and the church will sing them. Some songs that you'll write for cross for mainstream crossover, it'll be a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. And some songs don't ever sing for anybody else but me. I love that. And so sometimes, you know, I would write this song, and I'd be like, 
wait till PowerPoint, <laughs> PowerPoint, media shout or whatever it is. Wait till it's up on the screen. People are going to love this song. And usually those are the songs that the Lord would say, wow. don't ever sing those songs for anybody yeah. else but me. And so I'll pull out some of those humdingers or mm-hmm. those old songs that the only wow. person that's ever heard it is the Lord. That's awesome. You know? I love that. So, I mean, it's great. I, I don't go into writing rooms sometimes three days a week without coming out, listening to that track for a couple weeks uh-huh. and then just being like, man, that was just a great song. That was a great song. And fortunately, a lot of times for us as writers, a lot of those songs just get trapped in those Dropbox yeah. folders. Yeah. And then it's like they never see the light of day. I'm trying to figure out how to pull some of those songs out. Yeah. Circulate them either on the podcast, just like at the end of the Oh, yeah. Drop, Love that. It's a Dropbox, you know, folder <laughs> day where at the end of a, a podcast, it's like, you get a song. <laughs> That's a and great then just, idea. I think it's a great idea because then they have life. Then there's life on it. Yeah. And they're not just dying in a folder mm-hmm. that somebody forgot about, you know. I love that idea. You need to totally do that. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. For honest conversation and for teaching us how to get up in the morning, <laughs> go to bed at night, and actually talk to the Lord about stuff. Um, uh, the Shema way. Yeah, that's right. Shema way. Just go to your app store and type in S H A M A H W A Y Shema way, and the app will pop up. Find that app, download that app if you're looking for a way to connect, a way to connect with the Lord, a way to connect with your heart, Mm -hmm. your soul, your mind, and your strength. Yes, that's so good for deep connection with God, yourself, and others. Thanks so much, Anthony. Thank you, Rita. You know you're one of my all-time faves, and I'm just happy to be a part of anything you're doing. You're the best. Love you. You too. 